art is not about the numbers, it's not about the followers, it's not about the views, it's about finding something that can change your life, can touch your heart. Thanks to each and every one of you joining us. Welcome to Questioning Artists, a podcast where we believe that inquiry and art making are both essential parts of life. And so we invite you to listen as artists share fascinating and thoughtful responses to questions about their origins, their training and mentors, their art making, and what lights their inspirational fires. I'm your host, Kate Michael Gibson. I'm an artist who wears many hats, including writer, producer, performer, story maker, and now podcaster. I'm a founding member of Convergence's Theater Collective. CTC is a group of pioneering theater artists and innovative teachers dedicated to creating original work and re-envisioning classics. And in 2018, we turned 10. As a part of our 10-year anniversary, we're exploring how to tell CTC's story in multiple ways through the voices of our amazing collaborating artists. This podcast is inspired by that storytelling idea, as well as by a dream I had about sitting down to talk one-on-one with the many amazing and talented artists I know. I was inspired by other folks doing wonderful things with podcasts, especially storytelling shows. I found that hearing firsthand from brave and honest people sharing themselves openly and with vulnerability was not only deeply moving and educational and inspirational, it was a source of real human connection for me. Since I've always adored art and art makers, this show combines three of my longtime loves, artists, CTC, and personal storytelling. On this episode, I'm delighted to talk to Felipe Fournier, vibraphonist, music director, and award-winning music producer. Felipe shares with us his vast knowledge of music, his love of Latin jazz, and the importance of getting out of your comfort zone. Hello, Felipe, and welcome to Questioning Artists. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be sharing this afternoon with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name is Felipe Fournier. It's a French name, French last name, but I'm not French. I'm a, however, I am fifth generation a French from France to Costa Rica. I'm originally from Costa Rica. Thank you. We're going to get into your background in a little more detail later, but let's start in the deep end today, Felipe. Why do you do what you do? Why are you an artist? I think that as an artist, it's really, really important to ask yourself all the time, why I'm doing this? Why I'm an artist? Why I'm a musician? Even if financially it's working or not, so why are you keep trying to do this and why you don't quit and you why do you, you don't try this other thing and maybe you can 
make more money or have a successful career. I think it's really, really important to question that every day. And if you ask that yourself every day, the answer is going to be changing and evolving every day. But for me, the, the core of that answer for me is that I keep doing this because I have a talent, at least one talent. I met a lot of people with 10, 15, 100 talents. I know that I have one talent and the word talent means gift. So what is a gift? Literally, it's something that you didn't earn. I did not work for my talent. This, I did not train for this. That came with me. I remember as a, as a little kid, I was listening to the tune and playing in the piano. Even before I, I went to piano lessons or even before I learned how to read music. And that's something that I have uh, some uh, colleagues that now they can do that, but they had to work years to be able to do something that I was doing when I was three years old. I did not earn that. It's a gift. And because I didn't earn that, I got a share and I need to develop that because there's some people that it's willing to give their whole lives, try to achieve that. If I have it and I wasted doing other things, that's not fair at all. I have the responsibility to develop this talent and eventually to share this talent and to inspire other people. I love what you said about having a responsibility to develop our talents so that eventually we can share them with others and inspire them too. And I, I believe that as well. So as an artist who makes music, what advice would you give to someone that wants to be a musician or a producer? Yeah, that's a, that's a great uh, question. Listening, it's a very, very important part, being an artist. I told this to my students all the time. I cannot express the importance of this, uh, this skill because it's, it's a skill and it's something that you need to practice. And I noticed since I was um, a little kid studying music, uh, there is two things that we left behind in, in a formal musician training. One of those is the creation, call it composition, call it improvisation. And the other one is the, the listening part. You have these in, in, in the music school, you have these amazing musicians or students. I would like to say musician because you, you, can, you can be a musician when you are a student because mm -hmm. there's something that you cannot learn in the, in the school, yeah. So the listening part is super important. And I noticed since I was in music school that you have these amazing students practicing for six, seven, eight, sometimes 12 hours per day. Then when you listen to them playing the orchestra or playing as a soloist, they're amazing. But how much time they invest in listening, listening a recording, going to live shows. It's something that at the end of the day, you say, well, the guy on the, in the coffee shop is listening to the radio the whole day or the guy in the deli, it's singing and listening salsa the whole day. And 
at the end of the day, they're listening more music mm -hmm. than you there are. You're supposed to be a professional musician. I realized this and I start to, to, to reserve at least 40 minutes or half an hour of my daily training after a warm up and then I do my technique and my repertoire, sight reading and listening. Sitting down, putting a pair of headphones and trying to understand what is happening of this um, world, of this composition. And that eventually is what uh, helped me to understand and to create different concepts for the different bands that I produce and the different bands that I direct. Speaking of your music directing, let's talk about that aspect of your creative work, Felipe. You create music for a dance company, right? What sort of skills do you need to draw from to make that kind of work? Well, here in New York, I am musical director of um, Ballet Nepantla. It's a Mexican ballet folklorico. It's an interesting company because they're mixing the African dance with the modern the ballet with the contemporary dance with the folklorical. So as a musician, I have to think, okay, the basic thing is the Mexican folkloric music, but I try to understand the, the core of this music and I'm trying to bring these other elements. But for this purpose, I need to have in my background a lot of different recordings and a lot of different styles. So the first thing to do is Okay, go to to the yeah to the roots and listen to this this band, listen to this mariachi, and then listen to this fusion that was made before, and then listen to this African rhythm, the the basic African rhythm, and then you can listen to the modern thing. First thing is go to the to the roots. If you if you wanna do a mix between Indian music and jazz. Okay, go to the roots of the Indian music mm -hmm. and go to the roots of jazz. And then when you learn those specific uh, styles, this uh, vocabulary, you can mm -hmm. create something new. So that's yeah. very, very important for me as a, as, yeah, as a musical director and as a producer. And it's something that I try to apply. I mean, maybe it's part of my personality. I am obsessed with the origins. Uh, I from a family of artists. My dad is a musician, he plays the piano, a professional musician. My grandfather also is a musician, professional musician. And also his father and his grandfather, who is the fifth generation who traveled from France to Costa Rica in a circus. They were the musicians of this uh, circus traveling company. They went from France to Spain, then to Puerto Rico. Some of the family members uh, stayed in Puerto Rico and then they jumped to Costa Rica. So speaking of roots and origins, um, tell us more about your family background. Yeah, this family of musicians. So I pretty much knew that I wanted to be a musician since I was two years old, three years old, yeah. yes. I always had this uh, interest changing but the musician part was never a uh, doubt. Um, my mom in Costa Rica, uh, she's a teacher, yeah, a school teacher. And I, if I learned the, the passion of 
if I have that heritage of the talent from my dad, I have the part of the discipline from my mom. So she taught me since I was a, a little kid to, okay, you, you want to be a musician? Yeah, but you have to study and you have to practice every day. So it sounds like you got a lot of musical passion from your father and grandfathers and then this sense of discipline around practicing from your mother. Both are really wonderful gifts. Um, why is practice so important as a musician? Yeah, we as, a, as an artist, you say, yeah, 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 you got to practice every day. Yeah, yeah, I know that. But why? Why are you doing this? And how are you doing this? Because I can practice mindless. I, I can do mindless yeah. practice. And, but why is this so important? And how can you turn this boring thing about keeping your technique into a meaningful experience? Into a really, not only a musical experience or an arti artistic experience, but as a spiritual experience as well. Felipe, you mentioned practicing in a way that is fully engaged and even spiritual, which I think is amazing. Can you talk about the spiritual aspect of performing music? Well, first of all, the experience of a live performance, it's something unique. It's something that you cannot reproduce in a YouTube video or in a music streaming app is something that we are losing i think as a society in a, in a live concert for example it's not only the notes it's not only the chords or the technique it's something physical about the waves of sound and the acoustics and these waves are hitting you literally are hitting you are, are modifying your body Actually, one of the most inspiring and important persons in my life, uh, composition uh, teacher, great composer from Mexico, Costa Rica. His name is Alejandro Cardona. And he said that the instrument of the composer, the main instrument of a composer, it's the audience as an acoustic vessel. The audience as a recipient of what you are doing and how are they responding to that with their bodies? Because it's literally you are playing something or you are doing some sound or no sound at all. And that is changing the audience. So that's something really, really, really important. And I always had that in mind in my, in my concerts or in my work as a musician that I am giving something to the people. And that's something that I'm giving, I cannot take it back. I cannot, after a concert, I cannot go to the audience and say, hey, um, you like the concert? Okay, nice. I played about 352 notes on the vibraphone. Can you give me back, I don't know, 100 or? <laughs> yeah, no, it's something that I am giving and they're taking with them forever. So it's really, really important for me this, um, Speaking about the physical phenomenon of the music, it's really important for me to experience the the live performance. Yeah, as a as an audience, I encourage the people all the time to do it. If you have a favorite band and you never see it, you never saw that band live, do it. It's a totally different experience. The human body as an acoustic vessel. 
that's a powerful thing. I never really thought about it in that way. So speaking of amazing musicians, Felipe, you had a very exciting project recently working as a producer on an album called Las Caras Lindas by an all-female mariachi band, Flor de Tolache. And this turned out to be nominated for the Latin Grammys in 2017, in, yeah, last year. And we went to the Grammy ceremony and we won the Grammy. <laughs> yeah, and it's great because it's the very first time in the history of this category that uh, all female band won this uh, Grammy, the Mariachi and Ranchero. It's the first time that a non-Mexican band uh, won this Grammy. Yeah, because this band is from here, from New York. They have some uh, band members from Mexico, but they have band members from here, from Cuba, from Italy, from wow. South Korea. Yeah, the founders, um, Mireya Ramos and Sheffield, Mireya is um, half Mexican, half Dominican, raised in Puerto Rico. Sheffield it's a uh, half Cuban and half American. I think it's a it's a very New Yorker band. I would imagine that playing with such a wide variety of other musicians and different styles of music would require you to be pretty flexible. What's it like to shift musical gears so often? Living in New York, it's a challenge. I think that's the main challenge and the main motivator to get out of my comfort zone. Because I, I think it's really, really important to talk about this. No matter in which level are you, no matter if you're a super successful a Hollywood star or a Broadway artist, or a musician doing a gig in a restaurant. No matter the level that you are, you never know what's next. That's the life of an artist. Even if you work on the most successful superhero movie of the last 10 years, and then in the last movie, they kill your character. <laughs> okay, that's it, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we don't have a paycheck every 15 days for doing this or that. So that's the challenge of being an artist and that's the challenge of getting out of your comfort zone. And I met a lot of amazing artists, way more talented than me, way more skilled, but they don't want to get out of their comfort zones. And that's why I think that sometimes artists cannot develop full potential. It's not because they're not good, it's because, yeah, they're comfortable like that and yeah, that's okay if they want to do that. But very, very strong challenge that this city presents is that, that you are never in your comfort zone. I live with that struggle every day, but I am grateful that I am struggling with that because that very simple uh, challenge is what made me able to go in different territories and different things that I never thought I was able to do before. I think that's the, a key aspect to try to get out of the, your comfort zone. And that's something that, I mean, I, I'm saying that living in New York as an example, but it's something that you can apply living in any part of the world. So I think that's, that's a motivator for me to to get out of the, the comfort zone. Getting out of our comfort zones is so important because like you said, it's how we push ourselves and grow as artists and as people. 
So now, Felipe, let's talk more specifically about the main instrument you play, which may not be very familiar to some of our listeners. Well, um, my main instrument is the vibraphone. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, don't, don't feel bad. It's not a common <laughs> instrument. <laughs> yeah, even professional musicians sometimes don't. Is that the the marimba, the xylophone? The, no, no, yeah. <laughs> it's the vibraphone. The vibraphone. It's a percussion instrument. It's a, like a marimba, but with metal bars. Instead of wood bars like the marimba or the xylophone, you have the metal bars, aluminum. So what's the big deal about it? The vibraphone is one of the few percussion instruments when you can produce long notes. The percussion is uh, notably because it's all about short sounds. Yeah, like in a drum set, tuk, boom, boom. Or a conga, yeah, or a tabla drum, or but you have a uh, two instruments, yeah, more notably two instruments uh, when you can produce long notes in the family of the percussion. One of them is the family of the cymbals because the cymbals are made of metal, and the other one is the vibraphone because you have the bars uh, with metal. So changing the material of the of the bars means that you are changing the tone and you are changing the phrasing and you have to add some other elements for example in the vibraphone you have the pedal like the piano pedal mm-hmm. yeah you don't have a pedal in the xylophone or in the marimba because you don't need to to kill the notes or you don't need to stop the sound after you hit it yeah but you need that on the vibraphone so it's a pretty New instrument, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's from, uh, it's created in 1913, 1913, yeah, 105 years old. When this instrument came to the scene, the majority of the repertoire for uh, for classical orchestra and for music in general was uh, actually uh, composed. So this, because of that, this instrument doesn't have a big role in classical orchestras. But the jazz take the instrument and the mambo eventually and the Latin jazz in the 70s and 80s, the salsa, the salsa movement. So it's an instrument that's pretty um, linked or connected with the salsa sound and the jazz sound. I feel like I just had a little mini music history lesson. Thank you, Felipe. So we were just listening to Felipe play the vibes and lead the band in a live recording from a 2016 performance at the Metropolitan Room of A Mexican Affair, created by Rafa Reyes and developed by Convergence's Theater Collective. So Felipe, let's talk about how you started your journey to becoming a professional vibraphonist and music producer. I moved from Costa Rica when I was uh, 21 years old to Puerto Rico. So I I studied music in Costa Rica in a conservatory then I went to um, uh, the classical music school in percussion but I always loved the popular music Latin music and jazz and however in Costa Rica we don't have the possibility to study that styles of music in a formal way so I finished my bachelor in classical music but I was all the time listening in my iPod in those days, or this man or Walkman. <laughs> I was listening to Telonius Monk, to yeah. La Sonora Ponceña, to uh, Ruben Blades or Ruben Blades, and then yeah, I came to the yeah to the lesson. We were studying about Bach, 
Chopin, Mozart, mm-hmm. Beethoven, which is great. And I think that it helped me a lot to develop uh, the technique and the, that helped me to, uh, to educate myself as a musician. But this other part for me is equally important coming from a Latin country, getting to, to learn about these people, not in a university, but from outside. Because yeah. my, my education in Latin music and in jazz music came from the living room of my, of my uh, uncle. He teach me about this genius of the music. You, you don't listen about them in the, in, in the school but it's people that it's equally important for me. So when I, when I finished the, the bachelor degree in classical music in Costa Rica, I moved to Puerto Rico. There was a new program and this program was a, a focused on jazz and Caribbean music. So I moved to Puerto Rico to just try for one year to see if I mm-hmm. like it or not. And that turned out to be the best experience. Yeah, the best years, musically speaking, in my life. Yeah, fell in love with the program, with the country, with the people over there, with yeah. the culture. Yeah, I think uh, Puerto Rico is my second home. Yeah, and I really, really enjoyed my my time there. And I learned a lot about the our culture. Yeah, as a Latino and also the jazz culture mm-hmm. and the marriage between that two music. Yeah which is my favorite thing, which I think that is my mission, that is the Latin jazz, that yes. bridge between the, the Caribbean music and the Afro-American jazz. Mm-hmm. When I moved to New York, and my first steps on the production uh, were here in New yeah. York, yeah, specifically with this amazing all-female mariachi band, Flor de Toloache. This is an amazing band. I became a fan of the band the very first time that I listened to the band and the show. And I respect them a lot as a musician. They're yeah. awesome musicians. Yeah, all of them. They had the experience that a lot of musicians and a lot of male musicians uh, didn't take them seriously because it's a female band and because the people think that, oh, yeah, yeah, they look pretty, but they, they, they don't play really but they do play. They're really, really good musicians. And I, I could notice that since the very first moment. And I love Mexican music because not only because I, I lived in Mexico one year and I met my wife there, but before that, I grew up in Costa Rica listening to mariachi music, also mariachis and rancheras with my grandfathers. Yeah, my grandpa and my grandma. Never played in mariachi in my life. I never... Uh, have wore a mariachi outfit in my life. But I really, really like the, the the work of this band. And I start to collaborate, writing some transcriptions, some arrangements. But then when they finally approached me to, to be the producer of their second album, I refused. I refused two times. The third time they... they why? Because I, I, I have a lot of respect for that role. And I don't, I didn't consider myself as a, as a producer, mm-hmm. but they were telling me once and again, yeah, but that's what we're looking for. It said, mm-hmm. we are not looking for a mariachi person. We're looking for some, somebody who can bring all those influence from jazz, Latin jazz and yeah. hip hop and modern music to the mariachi. The third time that I asked 
Yeah, he was like, okay, I am doing it, but you gotta be patient with me. <laughs> this is the very first time that I am putting my producer hat and yeah. sitting in the producer chair. And they were so, yeah, so sweet and inspiring. And they're powerful human beings and powerful yeah. women. And they told me, yeah, 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 of course, we can, yeah, we can work on this together. And this turns out to be the most beautiful experience in the studio we went uh, to the studio in upstate we recorded the whole album in six days where the, the whole process was so smooth they're super professional they're amazing musicians and amazing artists and yeah i was like and why i didn't do this before <laughs> yeah and that was my very first production here well in, in my life actually yeah. that is such a great story and it's such a great album you should all be very proud so felipe i know that in addition to being a vibraphonist and producer you also teach music you mentioned your mother being a teacher do you think that you inherited that from her she loves to teach she's a professional teacher so it's something that i learned from her and i discovered in recent years that i love to teach music and the process is like um, alchemy mm -hmm. like the, the process to teach something and see how the face of the student is changing and it's understanding a concept and they're like wow i get it yeah. now yeah, yeah it's, and sometimes it's like yeah i'm just teaching this basic thing but you are changing the life of, of a person it's a really powerful experience so this is something that i discovering in recent years that I love to do. Speaking of origins, are there other mentors or teachers that have helped shape you as an artist? No, definitely I have some mentors and that figure of the of the mentor for me it's so important that I uh, active and strongly recommend to every artist that you should look for a mentor in, in your life as an artist. If you have the opportunity to met somebody and he can guide you mm. and he has more experience than you and he can be that mentor figure. It's so important because this profession and this lifestyle is not easy. There is no recipes for success. So these people can really, really give you a hand and show you or guide you better. And I definitely have some of those figures mm -hmm. while well, my my dad and my mom being the first yeah. one my uncle my my grandfather also yeah. but later in life when i start to play on live gigs and when i started to play yeah in the street i had the opportunity to, to meet one of my musical heroes costa rica his name is walter flores and walter is the very first costa rican producer and ever winning a grammy I met Walter when I was nine years old because uh, I was in the, in the primary school slash conservatory. Uh, Walter Flores is graduated from that, that yeah. same conservatory. So he came to the school to play a Latin jazz show live for the students wow. with his band, the Latin Jazz Sextet. And the six members of the, of the band, they're all graduated from that. So I was nine years old. I listened to that. That was like my one of my 
very first uh, live experience to listen to the Latin jazz. And that changed my life. I was like, wow, this is, is not only the notes or the technique, it's in some way he's playing and he's touching my heart. So he's a, a really, really inspiring uh, person for all the musicians in Costa Rica. But I, I'm blessed that when I was around 17, 18 years playing the street, I got to meet him and yeah. he invited me to play a concert with his band. I was so excited about it that I learned the whole repertoire by heart. And when I came to the very first rehearsal, he was worried about it. He, he was like, hey, where are your charts? I sent you the charts like two weeks ago and, and you came to the rehearsal with no papers. And I was like, no, I, I studied the papers. I, I have all my <laughs> in my head. He was like, no way. <laughs> and the rehearsal was good. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. Yeah, and he was impressed by that. He he really couldn't see. Yeah, more than a talent, more than a virtuoso player, he could see the interest of uh, yeah. this person trying to to do the this job as best could. So uh, starting from that point, he started to to call me and uh, he basically hired me on his salsa band, both his salsa band and the Latin jazz section. Life changing experience. Okay. And I learned a lot from him. I can read a lot, not only about music, but uh, his whole perception of life. Who are some of your artistic inspirations? The great Lionel Hampton, the great uh, Mill Jackson, Gary Burton, uh, Stephen Harris, and from the Latin side, Tito Puente, Carl Jader, uh, Luis Ramirez, and one of my favorites also, uh, Tony Berrios, who is the, he's not very popular, but people do, doesn't recognize that name, Tony Berrios, but people do recognize the band uh, uh, the band which he was part of, yeah. the Joe Cuba Sextet. The Joe yeah. Cuba Sextet is one of the most important bands in Latin music history. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that was the very first band who incorporated the vibraphone into this uh, Afro-Caribbean music before it was called salsa. Well, I always try to listen to new music, new albums, but also I like to open my mind to other different arts or different uh, media. So I am a big fan of comic books and video games also. I love the way that the TV is on a golden era. The movies also. There's always great directors, great movie directors, but sometimes they're not in the mainstream. Yeah. But now even the Hollywood movies with people didn't take seriously mm -hmm. 15 years ago, or 10 years ago, they're doing a great job trying to mix or trying to balance mm -hmm. this um, cultural or this deep vision with the commercial. As I am a big, big fan of the comic world, specifically writers like Alan Moore, uh, Frank Miller, and yeah, I love the um, Christopher Nolan movies also. That was a fantastic list, Felipe, and lots of people's names I need to look up and check out. So um, a little more philosophical question. As a teacher and as an artist, what are your hopes for future art makers? I don't want to be 
very dark <laughs> with, with this answer <laughs> or negative <laughs> but I I'm going to <laughs> just a little bit <laughs> I am very concerned about it I think this society is going in a way that it's not healthy or it's it's showing that we are in a decadence yeah as a society or as a human beings and part of the problem and it's maybe it's ironic that i say this in in, in a podcast but part of the problem is that we are giving too much importance to the social media and the technology and yeah it is important as a tool But when this tool becomes the center of your life and when this tool becomes the meaning, that stops to be a tool. And you are the tool now. Yeah, this, this is a machine. This is an instrument. But now we are paying more attention to the instrument, to the machine, and now we are the machines. So I think that this kind of um, ideas or this kind of... Uh, this kind of media to reach people like podcasts or like video, the streaming, it's meant to reach a new audience and new people and that's amazing, that's a good part. But the bad part of this, the negative part, is that we're paying too much attention to the number and the quantity, how many followers I have, how many views my video has and not the quality. And sometimes we, even before we hit the play button, we say like, uh, I'm not going to see this or to listen to it because it doesn't have a lot of views. Oh, maybe this podcast is better than this other one because this has uh, 1 million downloads per day. Yeah, but that doesn't <laughs> tell me anything. It's just numbers. And we are in these days, we are, yeah, we have a, a catalog of a catalog of artists that we appreciate better if they have that many followers or that many views. And art is not about the numbers, it's not about the followers, it's not about the views, it's about finding something that can change your life, can touch your heart or your conscience as an audience. And then can say, oh, okay, I'm going to promote that. I'm going to sponsor this because this changed my life, but not because this is changing the life of a million people, but not my life. So I hope that in the future we can be able to find this difference and to be able to draw a line and say, yeah, okay, the social media is important. Wishing a lot of people is important but it's just a tool. It's not the whole purpose of what I'm doing this. I think that's an excellent reminder to use the tool, but not become the tool. Felipe, I have learned so much from you today. And one of the things I've learned is that you are a very busy man. So what is coming up for you next? Well, first with my band, Super Mambo. Super Mambo, it's a mambo and Latin jazz band who started as a tribute to Tito Puente, which is my favorite musician of all times. And Tito Puente is it's known as the king of timbales or the mambo king, mm -hmm. 
but he was an accomplished vibraphone player as oh. well. Yeah, and not a lot of people know that. So we start this uh, band as a tribute to Tito Puente with some of my colleagues and and college mates from Conservatory of Puerto Rico. So um, I met these guys in Puerto Rico 10 years ago when I was studying there. Then they moved here. We uh, met again here in yeah. New York City and we started this band. This band is about to turn four years and we are working on our very first uh, album. Yeah, which is not a, the band started as a Tito Puente tribute, but the album, it's all original uh, material. Yeah, all original songs produced and composed by Jeremy Bosch, which is an amazing songwriter and musician and producer from Puerto Rico, an amazing guy. Of course, we are paying tribute to Tito Puente. We're doing one Puente cover. We are paying tribute to the greatest artists of the Latin music, of the Mambo era, and salsa, and Latin jazz. But yeah, it's a, it's a album of original material, new songs. Super Mambo is my project, but I'm musical director of Ballet Nepantla. Yeah, I'm privileged to work with some musicians from, from the city and some projects. One of those is a Ballet Nepantla upcoming production. It's a, about the role of the women, the strong women of the Mexican Revolution. So this is um, launching next year and it's called a uh, Valentina, which means like a fearless uh, woman. And it's about the yeah the role of the the, the women of the revolution. So the choreography is the, the choreography is amazing. You can see the the dancers with rifles and wow. yeah and doing this this whole um, interaction. The music it's also featuring uh, amazing uh, female singer Marilyn Castillo from mm. Mexico, and also a musical director of uh, Luba Mason trio. It's an amazing singer from Queens. She is married to uh, she's married to Ruben Blades. Through Ruben Blades, I met her and Ruben, uh, Ruben recommended me to be her musical director. I've been doing this for the last five years. We are launching this new project called Triangle, which is a jazz band with only vibraphone, bass, and vocal. I feel like my music education has grown so much today, Felipe, and it has been wonderful getting to know you a little. Thank you so much for joining us on Questioning Artists today. Thank you very much. Well, everyone, I hope that like me, today's conversation brought you inspiration and insight. Please explore CTC's website to find out more about our artists and projects and to sign up for our mailing list at convergencescollective.org. Questioning Artists is produced by Kate Michael Gibson and Jeremy Williams with collaborative consulting by Kalita Davis. Our theme music was composed and performed by Kate Jaworski. Visual imagery was created for the show by Natalie Loveland. The conversation you just heard was recorded on October 19th, 2018. Until next time, friends, I send you all the best for the questions you're asking, the art you're making, and the connections you're creating to bring more light into this world. Thank you for being part of the collective conversation.